please hear this. There are some difficult people in your lives who they're not gonna change no matter what. So people who walk with Jesus walk with a delicate balance when they confront other people. We speak the truth in love with grace. Praying for those who persecute us. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. For those of us who have been really hurt by another person, the hardest thing to do is what Jesus commands us to do, pray for them. On our last broadcast, David began a brand new series called Difficult People. Today, we continue our look into the sixth chapter of the book of Luke. Now, interestingly, though this verse really is about relationships, it is true in the area of money. I wish I could convince all of you to take the first 10% and give it to God. Call the tithe. I wish you'd do that because the Bible promises you'll experience the miraculous. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could imagine. God's able to do that. Beyond what we could even think he's able to give to us. Marilyn and I have experienced it. You can't outgive God. If you have a fist with your finances, don't expect anything back from God. But when you are generous and open up your fist, God gives back to you in abundance. It's true. You can't outgive God is the euphemism. But it's not just true with money. It's true with our words, isn't it? If you give out critical and negative words, what's going to be given back to you? Critical and negative words. The proverb verse that says life and death is in the tongue is right. If you give out death with your tongue, you'll get death words back. If you give out life with your tongue, you'll get life words back. It's true with condemnation and judgmentalism. That's what Jesus said here. Judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not and you'll not be condemned. If you give out judgmentalism, writing people off, if you condemn other people, writing them off, people are gonna write you off. And you'll become an island unto yourself. It has to do with friends. Here's what my mama said to me all the time. See if you can complete it. David, if you want friends, be a friend. Your mom and my mom knew each other, huh? If you want friends, be a friend. What is that? It's the law of reciprocity. Jesus teaching, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's what he's saying. You give out mercy, you'll get back mercy. And the same thing's true here with difficult people. If you give to them, if you love them, if you do good for them, that's what's going to come back to you. Maybe not from them, but it will come back to you because it's a law of the universe. Whatever you sow, you'll eventually reap. So people ask me all the time, well, okay, I've been hurt deeply by somebody or I have a difficult person in my life. How in the world do I bless those who've hurt me? How do I pray for my persecutors as Jesus command? I mean, they really, really hurt me. Well, let me give you a few thoughts. First of all, pray that they'll meet Jesus. That's the best blessing they could have, isn't it? Pray that that difficult person in your life will come into a personal, deep, abiding faith in Jesus and all their anger and bitterness will be replaced with his love. Ask for that life change to occur. That they will move from their prickliness to hope. Do good to them. Well, how might that happen? I know one guy who really hurt another guy, 
And then as the years went by, this person forgave the other guy, but at some point his son, the guy who did the hurt, got cancer. And this guy over here said, I'm commanded to do good even to those who've hurt me, even to my enemies. So what he did was he gave an anonymous gift online to help find a cure for his enemy's son's cancer. Folks, that's doing good. So maybe you give an anonymous gift in this person's name to some cause for Christ in the world. You, you do good for that person. You refuse to speak ill of them. Isn't it amazing how we Christians love to do spiritual gossip? Oh, would you please pray for blank? He's such a jerk. <laughs> would you please lift up so-and-so and let me tell you what they did to me? You refuse to speak ill of them. And I know with people who've hurt me, this is a tough one. But I've chosen to the world to say, yes, he or she's a good person. They're, they're trying their best. Because if you speak ill of them, you're committing slander, and that's what's going to come back on you. So a way of doing good is refusing to speak ill of those difficult people, those people who've hurt you in your life. So I want you to think just for a second who those people may be. I'm going to give you an inventory right now of what prickly, difficult people are like and see if there's any person like this in your life. Or again, maybe you're this person to somebody else. A difficult person never admits he's wrong. Is always critical of other people. She's never open to feedback. He is self-righteous and not humble. She never apologizes, never. She never admits she's wrong and he doesn't ever desire to change. He avoids working on issues in his life. He's lazy and he travels on the most dangerous path anyone can travel on in this world, the path of least resistance. She demands trust from others rather than earn it. And always says, you need to accept me just the way I am. He blames others instead of truly taking responsibility to get well. She's not growing, but remaining stagnant in life. And this difficult person never, ever seeks feedback from another person. Anybody have someone like that in your life? Again, are you that person? Well, Jesus gives an idea of how to handle people like this, and it's mostly found in a parable or a story that he shared. First of all, he says, remove the log from your own eye before you go 
to get the speck out of another's. He asked, can a blind man lead a blind man? Here's what he's saying is that a mentor who has a mentee can't be blind because if he's blind, then his mentee is blind and ultimately they'll both fall into a ditch. So for a mentor, he's got to know the truth. He's got to see the light in order to lead other people. So he's saying to those of us who are his followers, make sure you see clearly as you deal with difficult people. And he says, a pupil isn't greater than his teacher, which is true, isn't it? If you're learning from a mentor, the mentor just wants to teach you what he knows. And what happens to the mentor is going to happen to you. And then Jesus gives some very clear instruction. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in others? Now, you need to know that our culture uses this verse to shut up Christians. When a Christian tries to speak to the culture about its sexual craziness or its continued argumentativeness or any other evil that may be out there, when people are especially living that lifestyle, what they say to Christians are, you're judging me. And your own Bible says, don't judge me. They try to use this verse to shut us up. And they are not understanding what this verse is saying. Jesus says, don't judge, don't condemn, because that's what's gonna come back on you. But when you're dealing with difficult people, you are to go to them, but first you are to confront the log that's in your own eye. You're supposed to deal with your own sinfulness, your own rebellion, your own treachery before God. So how does this happen? I'll give you two thoughts. One is go to your spouse who lives with you every day or go to a close friend who sees you regularly and ask this question, let's do a lumber inventory. Point out my logs. Show me that big log, especially in my eye. My, my faults, my blind spots, please show me. And then listen to what your close friend or spouse will say to you. And if they really love you, <laughs> they'll tell you. Secondly, I dare you to do this. Get alone with God, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. Take some time regularly to get alone with God for confession of your sin. Ask the Father in heaven, Father, reveal to me my logs. Now, you're going to have to do a couple things here for this to happen. First of all, you're going to have to fast from social media. Social media consumes so much of our time. We're so busy with it, we can't ever get quiet. And you know the primary emotion that's created on social media? Jealousy. Because you compare your insides with somebody else's outsides. And none of your people on social media ever share their weaknesses. Never. They always share their good stuff. And it creates envy in our hearts. We start to compete and compare, which is dangerous for our eternal souls. So fast from social media. 
and go away, sit with God and say, God, reveal my logs. Guess what? He will. And then after you've had this revelation from either your spouse, close friends, or from God, Jesus clearly says, then go to your difficult person. Go to them and try to remove the speck that's in their eyes. Question, how many of you have ever gotten a speck of dust in your eyes? Is it fun? No, it's painful. And when somebody has a speck in their eyes, often they just have to widen their eyes as big as they can and somebody else come and dab the speck out. So once you've dealt with your own junk, your own logs, then you go to that person with grace, kindness, and empathy that you've already received from the Father. And then you ask if you can remove that speck or confront them with issues in their lives. And if you come with grace, kindness, and mercy, they'll be most likely willing to let you try to deal with their difficultness, their speck in their own eyes. Nowhere does this verse ever suggest that Christians are never to confront the sin in other people's lives. Nowhere is this verse ever supposed to be a way to silence Christians in the culture. It simply says, before you go, to confront the junk in other people, make sure you've spent radical moments dealing with the logs in your own eyes. And I can't speak for you, but if I go humbly to another person with the purpose of helping them, most likely they'll hear what I've got to say. So that's what Jesus is teaching here with difficult people. Don't judge, don't condemn, forgive, give, but then do some log inventory, but then go and try to help them. Speak truth. Ephesians 4.25, Paul said, speak the truth in love. Every Christian has that balance, and it's a tough one, folks, even for me, because if you just do truth, you're going to come across as self-righteous. But if you just do love, you've got a sloppy love that has no boundaries. And anybody can do whatever they want to do, and that's not right either. So people who walk with Jesus walk with that delicate balance when they confront other people with grace and truth. John 1.14, Jesus was filled with grace and truth. We speak the truth in love with grace. That's your best chance for helping a difficult person get well. But hear this. Please hear this. There are some difficult people in your lives who they're not going to change no matter what. And that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus taught this saying, judge not lest you be judged, he gives another verse that's not on the Sermon on the Plain, but is on the Sermon on the Mount. Here it is. Matthew 7, 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, what in the world does that mean? I'm so glad you ask. We have the pearl of the gospel of grace. We have this forgiveness that Jesus has given us. When we go to difficult people and try to extend that grace to help them, sometimes we're going to be rebuffed no matter what. 
they're gonna continue to infringe themselves upon our lives. And here, Jesus is giving permission for every person who has a difficult person hurting their hearts, permission to draw boundaries around your life. He's giving you permission to say, no, you cross that line, I'm out of here. Now, Alcoholics Anonymous knows this. There's a triage that has to happen for alcoholics to function. There's gotta be the alcoholic, the addict. There's gotta be a persecutor. That's the person who constantly tells them, you gotta get well, why won't you change? And then thirdly, there's gotta be an enabler who comes around the victim and says, oh, poor you, you're getting persecuted all the time. And I wanna speak to those of you who are the persecutors and the enablers in that triage with an addict in your life. If you don't leave, if you don't remove yourself from the triage, the addict will continue in the addiction. The only way the addict will ever get well is for you and especially the enabler to move out of the relationship and let them fall flat on their face. Until they reach rock bottom, they'll never get well. And as long as they've got the enabler propping them up, and especially the persecutor to whom they can point and go, you're always hurting me, and the enabler goes, oh, poor, poor you, they're gonna stay in their addiction. And you have every right as an enabler or a persecutor to step back and say, no more. Here are my boundaries. I'm not gonna have my life sucked away from me trying to care for you. I can't do it. I'm not gonna take this precious gift of grace God has given me and throw it before you a swine, a pig, because eventually the pig eats the pearl and it gets caught in their digestive system and they get angry at the person who cast it in their presence. So draw those boundaries, folks, for your own health, your family's health, for years to come. Don't judge, don't condemn. Forgive, give. Deal with your own logs, but go get the specs after you've done that out of other people's lives. If they don't respond, draw boundaries. And it's quite okay for you to draw those boundaries. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in an insightful conversation about this morning's Davidism. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, hungry, we'll work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. 
With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for joining us today. Yes, thank you, Jen. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, in this morning's e-devotion, you wrote about how King David spoke to his soul. Will you elaborate on this for us? I will. Interestingly, it comes from Psalm 42, where David actually speaks to his soul. He says, why are you so downcast Oh, my soul, you put your hope in God. Now, one interesting thing there that people might be unaware of is that word downcast is a shepherd's term. And when the shepherd would have his sheep in the pasture and a sudden downpour would come, if the sheep's wool had not yet been shorn, it would capture a lot of water. Mm. And then when they would try to walk, they would fall on their side. And then when they would try to get up, it was so wet, it would have their feet up in the air, if you can imagine listeners four feet straight up in the air and the sheep is lying on its back and it can't get back on its side, much less stand up unless the shepherd is the one who comes and turns the sheep back over and then allows it to stand up again. Mm-hmm. Downcast means there's a downpour that has been cast upon a sheep's wool, which has caused the sheep to be downcast, feet up in the air wow. with absolutely no hope. Mm-hmm. So David, the shepherd king, who would have seen this and known the term very well, uses it to describe his soul, that there was a time that downpours of life's troubles came upon his soul, and he just fell on his back and couldn't get up. So he cries out to his soul, why are you so downcast, soul? You put your hope in God. It's Mm. fascinating, Jen. He spoke Mm. to his downcast, hopeless, despairing soul Mm. to put hope in God, and that's evidently what allowed him to stand on his feet again. Wow, that's amazing. So we know the power of encouraging words from our study yesterday during mm-hmm. this broadcast. Today, let's just talk for a moment about the power of positive words being spoken to our own souls mm-hmm. by ourselves. I think this is going to be great and powerful because oftentimes we don't pay attention to that voice in our heads that's condemning us all the time. All the time. Jesus says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He loves to accuse us all day long to have a downpouring of negative that absorbs our soul in discouragement and hopelessness. And again, we fall on our backs with our feet in the air crying out, you know, what's going on, Mm -hmm. but we've got to finally realize if we continue to listen to those voices of accusation, we'll be on our backs Mm -hmm. in hopeless despair. But if we begin to speak to our souls the truth of God, Mm -hmm. hey, God's in control. He knows everything. Mm -hmm. Anything that happens to us is overseen by his sovereign care, and hope should lead our lives, not despair. And all of us need to learn how to speak positive, encouraging words to our soul every single day. Hey, soul, you may be downcast. You may have listened to the voices of accusation, but you put your hope 
in God. I like this so much. And I'm thinking of those who have um, diseases and who are literally bedridden. And there is always hope. If the sun comes up tomorrow, there's always hope. And just to to wash our minds with the word, with mm. truth, and speak life over ourselves. That is so key too, Jen. Learn the word of God, folks. Memorize it. And when you have those downcast days, speak the word of the Lord to your soul, and you'll start to have hope again. So good. Thank you so much, David. And thank you, Jen. Thank you, listeners. If you'd like to receive these written daily Moments of Hope, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They're free of charge from my heart to yours every morning at 7 a.m. to your inbox to begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for our teachers to be refreshed this summer. 